Hi everybody, welcome to episode 3 of the Chaos Cast. That's chaos with a K, as in Kingdom Hearts and other stuff, where I'll try and sell my guests on the Kingdom Hearts series based on a topic of their choosing. I'm Zach Lyons, and this week I'm joined by my friend Kyle Hiller. Hello! How you doing, Kyle? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, still getting in the in the swing of the show. Right on. So uh, we'll just kind of see how things go. Let's start things off by uh, tell the audience who you are. Tell us about yourself. Uh, so yeah, the name's Kyle. Don't forget the V, Hiller. Uh, I am a writer and editor. Um, I write for video games. Uh, I am also a Infinite alum, and I currently write for Skewed and Reviewed. Um, and yeah, I'm writing my second novel right now, which more or less is inspired by the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, and I... I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, some of the themes and metaphors, I think, have kind of found their way into uh, the story, especially when you start talking about themes of identity and, and how water connects us all in, in different worlds and things like that. But uh, Awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Sweet. And so how familiar are you with the Kingdom Hearts series? Um, you know, I think the question really is how familiar are any of us with the Kingdom Hearts series? <laughs> I think when you look at what Kingdom Hearts has become, uh, you know, and, and just getting ready for this podcast, it really made me question how much do I really know Kingdom Hearts? Um, because I haven't played... Um, all the games. I've only played uh, the original Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, I got through 358 over two days, and then uh, Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. Um, the other ones I've kind of dipped my toes so, in, but I don't... Sorry, so you've, you've done A Fragmentary Passage on 2.8, but you haven't done original Birth by Sleep? I have not done original Birth by Sleep yet. Okay, okay. Um, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Um, which is interesting, because I think... Um, I, I've been going through this point in my life this year where I've just become I've fallen in love with JRPGs again. Not that I never wasn't out of love with them, but there is this renaissance that's happening in Japan with uh, yeah, with video 100%. games and JRPGs, and they're really coming forth in, in in the West with things like you know uh, Monster Hunter and Nier Automata and games like that. Um, but I do know that I've also been revisiting a lot of older games that. Um, have been so much a part of my upbringing as far as me being a storyteller or a gamer or whatever. Um, so Kingdom Hearts is one of those series where I want to revisit it, but I'm not sure if I want to because it is dense. And I don't know if I have hundreds of hours to spend as an adult <laughs> now. <laughs> like I was a teenager back in the day where you could go home and play Kingdom Hearts all day after school. Can't do that now, per se. Yeah. So... Um, I'm on the fence, um, so I am excited about how chaotic we can really get on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I always enjoy it. Uh, so then, you'd say maybe you used to be a fan, and you're kind of just kind of following the marketing for Kingdom Hearts three now, right? So we've been waiting for this game for how long now? It got announced in two thousand. 13 I want to say I might be Yeah, officially it was either 12 or 13 yeah. that it officially got announced. So, it's been 5 years and as a writer, I know that writing takes time. Um I know for me there are story ideas that I've had since 2005 that I'm just now getting to really put forth. Um so I can't imagine 
having the pressure of Disney on your back and having to make sure that you put a story together that makes everyone on the business side of things happy. Um, yeah. Despite that, however, um, I do feel like um, with everything that's happened, just the old weight and everything, um, so much has changed in video games, and now I really want to know what's going to be the, 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 the final stamp on this uh, this this uh, the Xehanort series or whatever Nomura is calling it. Um, sure. How are we going to end Kingdom Hearts, and how are we going to wrap up what is essentially a dense, convoluted story? So I'm excited. That's Fifteen but, uh, years in the making. Fifteen years in the making, and I mean, not for nothing, they they were probably working on this again in the late '90s. You know. Um, yeah. Sure. So we're talking nearly twenty years, if not more, that were that. Namor has been in this universe, and I, I'm sure that he and many of the other people that are involved with the project are tired of it, and they just want it to be done. <laughs> but yet at the same time, they said, "Well, there might be more Kingdom Hearts." So, oh boy. Oh boy is an understatement. <laughs> so, so just to clarify, what is your topic? What would you like to discuss? Um. So I think one of the things that I really was thinking about while doing some research and some revisiting about over the Kingdom Hearts series was thinking about video games as uh, narrative, as, as, as stories. Um, we're coming into an age where there's a lot of discussion around video games um, as far as they being these medium, this medium for interactive storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And I think video games are still very much in their early the early part of their life they're just kind of out of their infancy um and i think when you look at a game like kingdom hearts that has kind of transgressed over you know multiple generations of 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 consoles how has the evolution of story pertained to kingdom hearts and how does it define kingdom hearts and how does kingdom hearts um define itself in in the whole universe of video games as story Right. So if we were to define interactive storytelling, it's essentially a form of digital environment in which users create or influence a dramatic storyline through actions. This yep. is something that can't happen in a movie or a TV show or books or in music or in film, anything else. We have a control. I mean, I mean, to an extent. There are to, such things, right. such exceptions like... You know, from the 90s, those uh, choose-your-own-adventure novels. Right. And, and sure, they're predetermined, but then you think of it like a Telltale game, and those are actually predetermined, too. It's just, it's not it's not the end game that matters, it's the journey you take to get there. Exactly. Right? And I remember being in sixth grade, reading R.L. Stein's Goosebumps and Fear Street, and some oh, of those yeah. books had choose-your-own-adventure elements to it. So, yep. you know, I thought that was fascinating, that I could, I had a choice in, in, in this mm, matter. Definitely. And... Um, that in itself lends itself to tabletop gaming as well, right? Um, mm, yep. It, it is an environment where you can change the way that the story is, happens, and it's not just up to the one, the writer, you know, who, who has all the power in it. Um, so when you look at something like Kingdom Hearts, um, it is sort of, it is one of those games where we're looking at it as here's a story that's very convoluted that has a lot of things going on is it compensating for its lack of story or is it actually much more complex than than, than we may realize 
when you look at other mediums, when you look at film, when you look at books, when you look at pretty much any medium that tells a story in its infancies, in its early stages, those stories were kind of accepted because the medium was new, it was fresh, and people were really into it. And over time, that was when people became more critical of it, the, the mediums mm. evolved, they grew, they developed, and then we see that, you know, when, when you look back at, at the classics, at classic literature and things like that, you see the flaws. They're, they're much more glaring yeah. than what they were beforehand when we first di- digested them. Um, Masterpiece for the time, but they haven't necessarily aged well. Right, right. And I think um, when you see something like Kingdom Hearts, I think it's partly suffering from that, where in 2002, even though there were a lot of great games that were telling great stories, like Chrono Trigger and Earthbound and Ocarina of Time, uh, Sui Koden, all the Final Fantasy games, more or less... Eight is questionable, even though it's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> the list goes on. The list on. goes on and on and on. Um, but what makes Kingdom Hearts so different? It's trying to evolve in its its storytelling and the fact that you can control these things. But at the same time, I think it does suffer from the fact that it is a younger story in, in the grand scheme of sure. things. It, it came out 2002. It was being written before then. Um, what exactly um, do we expect from video games now as opposed to back then? And is that, you know, something we need to consider when we start to critiquing what Kingdom Hearts is? Because so many people do talk about the fact that, hey, Kingdom Hearts, we don't get you. We don't understand yeah. all this stuff about the light and the dark and the, the Kingdom Hearts and the Kingdom of Hearts and how that's actually three different ones instead of just one and there's Ansem here, and there's Ansem there, and this is actually Ansem of the Wise, and all this other stuff is going on, and how do we make sense of all that? And, and, and I think Kingdom Hearts is one of the first video games where we have to go back and really study the story in order to understand it, and it is such an, a story about internal struggle. That yeah, I don't oh, 100%. F- and, and it doesn't come out as outwardly as I think what a lot of other mainstream games were doing when it Kingdom Hearts first came out. Um, and I think that's what makes Kingdom Hearts so engaging. You know? I would agree. Um, so I, I mean, there, there's also... One of the series that people always compare Kingdom Hearts to is Metal Gear Solid, because yes. it's equally as convoluted, and it's also got like that lightning in a bottle where the first game was just so amazing, and people just saw it as so groundbreaking and new and interesting, and then it just evolved and got different and crazier and different and crazier and mm. every new game added some sort of story element whether it's going back in time with a prequel or moving forward in time to when everybody's dead and your new characters or whatever and it's it's again it's while they're totally different genres they're they've got a lot of similarities in that sense right absolutely and i think with kingdom hearts um again i keep throwing out the word convoluted but at the oh, end of the day... Probably I, the most common word used to describe Kingdom Hearts. And I don't think that should be such a, man, a malignant word. I think, at the end of the day, real life is complicated. And I think that at the oh, heart yeah. is what Kingdom Hearts is talking about. Because Kingdom Hearts has roots deep into the pursuit of identity and creating a sense of belonging in a world that's constantly being forced to be linear or binary. Which is ironic because we have a story that you know, while we acknowledge that in order for us to win, 
when you have this this battle against light and dark in order to accomplish our goals we have to acknowledge both sides and both sides mm. are aware of the fact that hey in order for light to to win over dark you have to have dark in it and in order for you have to, to accept get... that darkness is a thing right and in order for you know the x-blade to appear we need both light and dark in order to open yeah kingdom hearts um and that's one of the things i like about it a lot is that you know it's not just saying light is good and dark is bad it's saying that there's a gray area in between right. you can't have one without the other right so you need to if you're dark you need to let some light in and if you're light then you need to learn to cope with the darkness or right. handle the darkness right and i think i think when it comes to video games players have this notion and this is a general statement this isn't to say everyone where we have we we play games and a lot of a lot of older gamers who are in their late 20s or early 30s or so on we have this natural instinct where we want our games to be linear. We want them to go from one place to the next. Um, when you look at something like Breath of the Wild and you compare it to Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time is very linear. Yeah. While you can go out and explore in Hyrule, in Breath of the Wild, you're thrown into this world and you can do whatever you want. You can literally game. fight the final boss straight away if you exactly. want. Exactly. Um, and that one's more proper open world, whereas Ocarina is the illusion of open world. Exactly. And I think um, with Kingdom Hearts, there is that illusion of it being linear, but in reality, the storyline is not. Which, you can use that as, as an argument as to why the game is out of order. Um, the fact that the first game in the series is actually the fourth chronologically... Um, and I think when we all first played Kingdom Hearts, that was unprecedented. So when we played Kingdom Hearts 2, because everyone had a PlayStation 2 already and played Kingdom Hearts mm -hmm. 1, not everyone had a Game Boy Advance and got to play Chain of Memories. Yeah. Um, no Such as the greatest bane of the game, the series' <laughs> right. existence. Exactly. And everyone who did have a Game Boy Advance, they see that, oh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, I gotta play that. Oh, wait, it's a card game? I don't want to play yeah. a card game. And then we live in an era where we have listicles that persuade us into thinking which Kingdom Hearts game is best and which one is the worst or which one has the best characters or the best battle system or who's the best girl. Whatever, yeah. It's it's everything. You have you have to do your homework and you have to form your own opinion, which is what sure. Kingdom Hearts is itself, is that you have to decide which side you're on. And you can't really take someone else's opinion of it. It's kind of like how Riku decides that he's going to tempt the dark side in order to rescue Kairi's heart. But, at the end, he's the one who we end up fighting in the end of the first Kingdom Hearts. He's the one who, for a moment in time, he's the one that has the Keyblade. And, and Donald and Goofy say, hey, Sora, screw you, guy. We're going to go with him. <laughs> and that's choice happening. And something that's linear, but at the same time... It is convoluted. It is complicated. And video games should be complicated, even if we don't understand it at first. Because it's, I agree. it's not like the characters themselves in the story truly grasp what all is going on. We don't even understand why anybody wants to unlock Kingdom Hearts other than for power. I think yeah. it might be more than that. And I think what we're trying to pursue here as players, as people in real life... We know that we're trying to ascertain something in order to gain it, but we don't always know why we want the things that we want. And that's real. 
man, I tell you what, I feel like this is all backwards. I'm the one that's supposed to be convincing you to play, and you just make me want to play again. <laughs> um, and so, and that's it's so, that's so it's, that's what makes it so interesting. Um, Kingdom Hearts is you need to prepare yourself for the fact that you are going to be investing several hours of, of your oh, life. Oh yeah. Over even even if you just watch the video the cutscenes on YouTube, yeah. it's still dozens of hours throughout all the games. Right, and I think there are YouTube videos that are three, four, five hours that are explaining the story alone. And oh yeah, even that in itself is an undertaking. That's that's a whole Star Wars movie and a half. If we're <laughs> talking about playing these seven or eight games that we have in the series. Do I want to commit that much time to it, or do I want someone to summarize it for me? Is there a way that we think we have the collections and everything's on one console now? But does that still make it? Does inviting? that make it any easier to get into in the right. long run? Because a lot of people sure, there's would... the convenience of having it all on one console, but if you can't understand the story, how much does it help? Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, who, how many people, casual video gamers? casual Kingdom Hearts fans, how many know what the first game is chronologically? Yeah, uh, probably not many, especially since it's a mobile title. <laughs> right, exactly. And I tried to write from memory this morning what order do the games go in. I got maybe mm. the first four, and then after that, it's Look, it's a guess. Go, go ahead, try it now. Try it now. Okay, so we've got um, Back Cover. Uh, we have okay. Unchained. Which I guess that's pronounced Unchained Key. Um, yep. Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, uh, three five eight over two days. Um, coded. Um. Nope. No. That's okay. that's where you mess up. <laughs> coded comes after two. Comes immediately after two. after two. Okay, and then after Kingdom Hearts two, coded, Dream Drop Distance. Uh. Fragmentary Passage and then Kingdom Hearts 3. Assuming there's there you go. not going to be anything between now and when Kingdom Hearts 3 drops. Because you never yeah, know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, on one hand, you never know. Uh, but I'm typically glass half full kind of guy. And since they announced last year that it'd be 2018, and they've had a new trailer this year that still says 2018, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, uh, well, I feel like I'll, I'll believe. I it mean, when... you can look back at something like Final Fantasy XV, where they had that big extravagant event for right. re- revealing the release date, and it was six months away, and they still delayed it two months. Mm-hmm. But I just I get a much better feeling from Kingdom Hearts three than I did with Final Fantasy XV. Everything to do with versus thirteen slash fifteen was a mess from the beginning, and it never really got any better, even as the game actually got quote unquote completed. But but Kingdom Hearts three, like they've they've gone quiet when they need to go quiet okay. and then they, they've started bringing up the they've started showing trailers at a fairly regular pace and they're like if you listen to interviews or read interviews, they all seem very confident in the release date. So I mean obviously they're not gonna say, Oh, we might not hit it but you just I I just get the feeling that they haven't revealed the specific release date yet because maybe that they're still pinning down, but I, I have no doubt that it will release this year. Do you think Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to play the Final Fantasy XV card where the DLC is going to be additional chapters as we go? I, 
I hope the only thing they do for DLC in Kingdom Hearts 3 is similar to Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and Birth by Sleep, where obviously those were pre-DLC days, but they had the Final Mix versions come out. And the Final Mix versions had some like alternate skins for enemies, and they had uh, extra boss fights, and they had a couple extra cutscenes that filled in gaps maybe that they forgot or didn't have the time to do the first time around. And I think that would be okay. People have said how, oh, maybe they'll bring out another Disney World in DLC, or maybe they'll have multiplayer. And I mean, they've had multiplayer aspects in several Kingdom Hearts games, so that's not outside the realm of possibilities. But I think something like adding extra Kingdom Hearts world, or extra Disney Worlds, would be kind of stupid, because usually uh, the Disney Worlds hold some important uh, plot progression right you know like the the trailers that we've seen so far there's like maleficent and pete in hercules world and there's marluxia or in um rapunzel's world stuff like that so you, you encounter people that are in that are pivotal to the plot as you're going through the disney worlds and to add another disney world just for the sake of saying oh we've got this new disney world that's going to be dlc well that's kind of superfluous unless you've got story to that matches with it you know right so the only reason I could I would want them to have DLC is if it's the final mix DLC stuff that they wanted to put in originally that they just didn't have time for or that they couldn't fit on the disc or whatever. So okay, I, I think for me, I I worry about Kingdom Hearts three so much because um, let let's talk about Tetsuya Nomura as as as, <laughs> as a writer right um okay so for me as a writer and an editor who edits genre fiction um Mm -hmm. one of the things that i have a problem with um with kingdom hearts is that there is a lot of deus ex machina happening throughout the series yes um how a lot of conveniences there's a lot of conveniences to the point where it shakes up the momentum it destroys the urgency of the story and it gives all these characters the power to do whatever it is they want um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because it almost makes me feel like when I'm playing it if there is a character who dies they're probably going to make their way back or, or you know if there's evil Ansem there's good Ansem and if there's mm-hmm. nobody versions of pretty much every character um, where do we draw the line with something like this and that sure. to me makes it very hard for me to the magic for Kingdom Hearts was something that was very real to me when I first played it. I still remember mm-hmm. the day that I beat it, where I was, where I was sitting, what the weather was like, what lights were on yep. in the living room. I remember it very, very vividly. And I remember snapshot when I, in your mind. A snapshot that will be eternal. And when I got Kingdom Hearts 2, I skipped class in college and went yep. back to my room and said, listen, I'm not leaving my dorm until I get through at least half this game. <laughs> and I beat Kingdom Hearts 2 in just over two weeks, which was the first wow. time that I ever beat a game that quickly. Now, it's not so much of a big deal, especially because games are shorter, or sometimes I might just have the mindset to commit, right? Because I'm playing, sure. for instance, I'm playing Persona 5 right now, and I'm about 40 hours in, and I've only had this game for about a month. That's right. about as long as it would take me to beat one of the mainline Kingdom Hearts games. Mm-hmm. However, knowing that this story is flawed, is it too late for me to 
jump back in and be forgiving? I, I can't not look at this without a critiquing mind. What do you think, what would you tell me to convince me that I need to go back and play these games over again? Because I need to know. All right, well, there, there, there's a few points to touch on there. You mentioned Tetsuya Nomura, but then we just kind of glossed over him, I think. Um, so I'll just touch briefly on that. Okay. I think that while his, his best work was in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, mm-hmm. so I have faith that his it'll continue with Kingdom Hearts 3 because the number titles are always taken a bit more seriously. Mm. Um, at the same time, something... From people I've spoken to uh, in the games industry, I, I've come to understand that Tetsuya Nomura is kind of a high-maintenance guy, and uh, it's less about him and more about his team. Like, Tai Yasue is the co-director for Kingdom Hearts 3, and he's basically got the reins more than Tetsuya Nomura is overseeing so many projects that he's spread across this, that, and the other thing. And so he is, he like keeps track of everything and he puts his input in where he needs to, but uh, he's definitely less on the writing side. Like he's got his ideas and these need to be implemented this way, but he's the the scenarios are written by, he's the Shonda. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. So he's got lots of, uh, What's the what's the phrase? Lots of cooks in the kitchen. Right. That's not right. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's more overseeing thing. Like he's the manager, telling people what to do, and the other people decide how to get it done. Mm. And so that's a bit why I have more faith in it is because yeah, Tetsuya Nomura comes off as kind of crazy, for lack of a better word. Uh, but the team that sur- is surrounding him. I feel has a good enough head on their shoulders to bring a quality product. Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to wrap everything up nicely with a bow, but I think it'll be more than sufficient. Okay. Getting back into it because, um, again, as, as looking at it from a critical standpoint, I don't know if the story holds up at this point, which is hard to kind of have a conversation about because the story's still going, but because it's been going for over, a dozen years at yeah. this point. Um, right. And I, I think one of the biggest problems that the game has suffered is, aside from just having games on various systems throughout the years, you know, obviously that's fixed now because they've all been collected on the PS4, but aside from that, it's trying to wedge games in where they don't need to be, like Recoded, you know, was originally a mobile game in Japan, and then they remade it for DS, and shoehorn some bogus story and that really hasn't come up again and probably will have minimal to do in uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 but and it's like and also Dream Drop Distance you know it's I feel like they're making a lot of what happened in Dream Drop Distance important in Kingdom Hearts 3 like with the Dream Eaters and the Sleeping Worlds and stuff yeah what happens but, to the Dream Eaters <laughs> I, I totally yeah, forgot uh, about them well, it's a bit strange because in Kingdom Hearts, you're like you're in the sleeping worlds, right? You're trying to wake up the sleeping worlds or whatever, right. and because you're in a sleeping world, you can't have Donald Goofy as your partner, so you've got Dream Eaters that you train and collect like Pokemon. But um, then at the end of the game, when you're out of the sleeping world, Sora uh, leaves the mysterious tower to say goodbye to his friends, and he goes to Traverse Town, and all the Dream Eaters are the Dream Eaters are there, but he's awake. He's not in the sleeping realm anymore. So I'm. That's the one thing about the Dreamers that's confused me is how are they in Traverse Town, like the actual Traverse Town, when they were only pieces of the Dream World. So I, I don't quite understand that, but 
Um, but then, you know, you see that the Dream Eaters come back in Kingdom Hearts 3 as some special move. Right. And one of the newest trailers, so that's interesting. And I like... I think one of the things that's got me most excited about Kingdom Hearts 3 is the fact that everything that they've tried differently in previous games is coming to a head. It's all coming together. It's all in one game now. Like, in Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2, your enemies were the Heartless. In Birth by Sleep, it was the Unversed. In Dream Drop Distance, it was the Dream Eaters. And now all of those are back in Kingdom Hearts 3. It's like they were the the flavor of the month for each different game. (laughs) But now they're all integral in some way. It wasn't just that they were... Maybe at the time it's just that, oh, we need a new enemy that's not Heartless to make things interesting. But now, like, they've retconned it enough or tied it in enough, whichever one is more accurate to say, but they've brought it together so that they're all going to have important roles to play in Kingdom Hearts 3. So, and I think that's really neat and interesting, and I'm keen to see how they do it. Um, As for getting back into it, that's one of the reasons, is because they seem to be working really hard to tie everything together. Um, And I think, again, just based on trailers that we've seen and the lead-in with 2.8, it all feels very promising to me. Um, I do agree with what you said about the whole if someone dies, they come back, and it's kind of lackluster. It's like in a superhero movie, right? Like, if someone dies, you want that weight to hold. Like, even if you like the character, like in Avengers when Agent Coulson gets killed. And you're like, oh, no, everybody loved Coulson. (laughs) And then next year, you know he's alive because there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming to TV. And, I mean, they explain it. They give some bogus reason. And, but... It's that same thing. The The sacrifice loses a lot of its weight when the character is brought back. And so it... Or not even sacrifice, but just death. Like in Chain of Memories when you kill a lot of the organization members. And then later on you find out that they are coming back as... Instead of nobodies, they're back in their somebodies. Or they're back in their original forms. And they're becoming part of Xehanort's true organization. Uh, it is getting a bit crazy and convoluted. <laughs> but... And so it all feels very strange and unexplained. Right. But again, I feel like they're getting there. They, they've just... It's it's such a long game to play. Yeah. Like, every piece of the puzzle is a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's all starting to come together. It's like we've done the edge pieces. Now Kingdom Hearts 3 is the filler. Right. Um, That's how I feel. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. I think... I think permadeath in fiction needs more it needs to carry more weight it needs to be respected because I think for me that that does take me out of the game and has taken me out of so many other stories and and whether it be Mm. books or movies or what have you Um, that's what makes games like the uh, the Fire Emblem series the new the new Fire Emblem games that came out on 3DS your characters die if they lose in battle even if it's just a, a normal regular battle if it's not one of the big ones they're gone Sure, you can turn that feature on or off, but at the same time, if you leave that on, you realize just how important it is that these characters stay alive. You become invested in them. And when you look at what Kingdom Hearts does in in the very first Kingdom Hearts, um, at least not... Kingdom Hearts 1, we'll call it. When you are competing with Riku, and you guys are saying, hey, look, the person who wins gets to give, what, Starfruit to Kyrie. Yeah, the Papu fruit to Kyrie. Thank you. And um, <laughs> and even though it doesn't really matter if you win or lose, you feel something when you lose. Yeah. That 
you can race him again, right. but that doesn't change the outcome of the first one. Right. And and because of that, and the fact that we that that in itself is such a powerful moment, because we go I agree all completely. the way to the very end of the game where that's actually a reference point. And I think that that's something that's missing in Kingdom Hearts in so many ways, where we have this Deus Ex Machina, we have this lack of permadeath, because we are making things happen without any reference point or any sort of motif, it's mm -hmm. all just this very ambiguous metaphor, that's where I feel like the story begins to fall through the cracks, even though at heart it is a very compelling and interesting story in its own right, it is very significantly flawed. And I want to see more of that tie itself into Kingdom Hearts the series. I don't know that if we are, what, 10, 11 games into the series, is it too yeah, I think it's like 8, but right. yeah, something crazy. <laughs> um, there's a lot of games in the series, and I think my problem um, is, do I want to sit through this long problematic story which I'm on, I only have nostalgic feelings for at this point because mm -hmm. yeah I got to play Fragmentary Passage last year but before that I hadn't played a Kingdom Hearts game all the way through since 358 over two days and I played it on my DS in mm. late in college um, and really Fragmentary Passage is like I beat it in a day. A demo, almost. Right. It's yeah, a tech yeah, it's demo. like it's so, four to five hours. So when we think about it, I haven't played a mainline Kingdom Hearts game since about 2007, if not before then. Uh, whenever so Kingdom about Hearts a decade. <laughs> yeah. And that's a long time to be so far that is a long time. from a story, and I think that's also kind of the problem with uh, Kingdom Hearts right now, is the fact that we haven't had a mainline game in so long, and the fact that yeah. the mainline games themselves, even though they have all the other spin-offs that are on all these other systems or what have you, that's... I almost feel like they weren't marketed in such a way that, hey, these games are important, go play them. Well, it's it's that they tried to market it that way, but they, they shot themselves in the foot with every new game being released on a different system. Yeah. You know, PS2... Game Boy Advance, PS2, DS, PSP, DS, 3DS, right. <laughs> PS3, PS4. So they just kept bringing them to different consoles, and that no matter how they marketed them, they still marketed it. Still had to be marketed as buy this other console so you can play this new game. Which it's still important, but you need a new system. Which is one, and not a lot of people have the money to afford that. Right. So, which is what makes interactive storytelling problematic as well, because yeah, it's an investment. When you look at something it is, for like sure. The Hunger Games or Harry Potter or uh, even Game of Thrones, all you got to do is go to the bookstore and buy the books and you're good. Mm. When you want to play Kingdom Hearts, you have to buy a brand new console that's going to cost you about three, $400. You have to make sure you have internet at all times because on modern consoles... Well, nowadays, yeah, modern. And then, you know, which one is the, is the right way to play it? all these other things that have to go into it. And, and I think, um, I really hope that we get to a point in the future where this isn't happening. Because yeah, when's the last time, how many how many games have, game series have we played, have you played, that you feel like you've played all of them and, and you thoroughly enjoyed them and you have the time? Because oh, I, I know you're, you're, you're a dedicated gamer, Zach. So you play the games. <laughs> I try. <laughs> and... Um, w when you go back and play all these games, do you feel like 
you have the forgiveness to overlook the shortcomings and the stories in these games in order to enjoy them. I mean, I think the obvious answer is yes, because, like, especially with Kingdom Hearts, even throughout all the problems, of which there are many, I won't, you know, being a big fan doesn't mean I won't criticize it. It's got a lot of problems. But, um... But the fact is, I am I have still remained a big fan ever since the first game. I've kept up with every game. There's like the only one I didn't play on launch is, uh, Birth by Sleep because it was on a PSP and that's the only console I didn't own until like literally a week ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my brother sent me his old PSP, so now I've got the original Birth by Sleep nice. and Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII and a handful of other things. Nice. So that's super exciting. Yeah. But uh, I digress. Uh, I think. Because I'm a more hardcore gamer, I am willing to put in the effort and the money and the time mm. to stick with a series across multiple platforms. But then at the same time, I think almost more meaningful are the games that have one title. Like, they're not a franchise, it's just one game, and it's a contained story, and that's all there is. Right. Like, Kingdom Hearts 1 could have stood alone easily. They left it open-ended at the very end so that they could bring more, and it just took off and you know the rest is history but if they never made another kingdom hearts game i feel like that would be regarded as like a masterpiece of gaming yeah because of all subsequent games and malarkey that's followed it's i think it's a loss that's lost a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's still a good solid standalone experience if you don't play any of the others what sustains Um, it for you Honestly, part of it is the convoluted story. Like, I love I love when a new game comes out and it harkens back to not just one game, but two or three games. Like, it mentions a character. Like, uh, the mobile game. The mobile game right now, Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, formerly called Union... Or uh, Unchained Key, which is another problem. It started <laughs> off with one name. And for the one-year anniversary, they changed the name of the game and the app. It's ridiculous. But in any case, <laughs> even a silly mobile title that moves at a snail's pace like you get 5 to 10 story missions every couple of months and only one or two of them will have a cutscene that's relevant to the ongoing story but even that I'm really into right now because the, the characters it's introduced that I know from other games because it takes place so far in the past, you know, the age of fairy tales that they've referenced in the games. And a lot of people say they play the game for, like, the the medals and the animations and the, you know, the random drawing aspect. But, like, I I play it for the story, just like the rest of the Kingdom Hearts games, because I I enjoy... Obviously, I've followed it for this long throughout so many games and platforms. I, I must be a glutton for punishment, maybe, but I just... I enjoy the trickling of the story I like having one story here and then getting a little bit more insight to the other stories as well right it's like when you play Chain of Memories Chain of Memories is its own story but it's also following up on Kingdom Hearts 1 Kingdom Hearts 2 is its own story its own arc but it's referencing things from Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2 etc and it just keeps going on every game references characters or events from the other games and I really enjoy that and that's why I like other Universes like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff. I love the way things tie together and throw back to each other. Right. That's like my my vice. And that's interesting because for me, and I, I've been having conversations with people about this recently because I've been wondering. I don't get attached to series 
at all on any medium. It takes a lot for me to really want to play or watch or read so many entries in a series. Mm. Um, Kingdom Hearts is is no exception to that at all. Um, when I look at this list, and I'm, I'm literally staring at this long list of games on my computer right now as we record this podcast, that's a lot. And I don't know... It is a lot. I, I still have love in my heart for this 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 series and, and the story, especially when we start talking about the original Kingdom Hearts. I mean, what an experience that was, and I would love to mm. go back to that. And I think and a lot play of it for the first time. And play it for the first time, and you can't really get that, but at the same time... Um, I know I'm a writer and all this other stuff, and this is sacrilegious, but I only ever read the first two Harry Potter books. <laughs> and that's not a knock on... I, I, I love J.K. Rowling. I, I study her crafts. She's an amazing person. I just got back from New York to see uh, The Cursed Child in theater, like in the actual the actual play. Mm. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. And I didn't feel compelled to have to go back and read all the other books over again. Sure. So I'm worried that when Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, will I understand this enough to want to go back and play all the Kingdom Hearts games? Or when they finally announce yeah, well, that, that, that release date at E3, fingers crossed for 2018, sometime this holiday, <laughs> will that make me go, okay, it's time to go play back cover now, or, or Unchained, or Birth by Sleep? Sure, sure. What would it take for me to decide, hey, maybe I need to reevaluate myself as a consumer and think about how I consume story. Because I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got a suggestion for you. Okay. Um, I want you to try, like, if it's not difficult for you to obtain, I want you to play Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. I think you'll really like that one. I think I will. Um, because I, I don't know how much you know of it. You know, obviously you played Fragmentary Passage, so you know what happens after it. But um, it's got a lot of the elements that we've talked about already. Like... Mm-hmm. It has characters that lose. You know, the the whole story basically right. is about these three friends, Aqua, Ver- Ventus, and Terra, and they lose, basically. You know, spoiler alert, but they don't come out the end of the game, the victors. Right. Um, they're all... Something different happens to each of them, and they're all in different bad places. And... And it's... I think one of my favorite parts about it is that it's from different perspectives. Like, you play one story through, and you cross paths with the others throughout the game, and you go to the same worlds, but at different points in time. And I love... It's, again, you know, just the shared universe. I love seeing them cross paths and intersect and seeing things from other points of view. It's like how in Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, you're playing Roxas' story that takes place starting in the middle of Kingdom Hearts 1 and ending at Kingdom Hearts 2. And you're just seeing it from someone else's perspective, and I love that. And with... Birth by Sleep, you get three different stories in one game, and they're all unhappy. Right. And for for a series so saturated in light and good feelings, where the main character Sora is such a an optimistic, never gets down dude, to have such a a melancholy entry in the series was refreshing, and it still remains one of my favorites because of that. You know, the bad guy is really bad, and it's where you're introduced to the proper, you know, Xehanort right. for the first time. Right. And I don't know, I just think it's got so many elements that, like, it's it's not true sacrifice because as far as, you know, we know, nobody actually fully dies, but it's got a lot of sacrifices regardless. Yeah, and I think um, when I played 
fragmentary passage, even though it was... I, I understood what it was going into it, so I really didn't have any high expectations for it, but... Again, that was my first introduction to Aqua. So, yeah. and, and Antera, and, and Ventus, and I, I, I knew of them, That would be a strange was... place to go into without having played Bird by Right, and I had no idea what was going on, but at the same time, I still felt this, this compassion for Aqua and her story and just how she's alone in the realm of darkness and she can't get out and she's been there for 10 years and she's alone and she's just, she's unhappy but Mickey comes in and says, hey, I'm working on it and then and then, and then he goes away and then Aqua's left alone for however long we don't know, we don't know if she's going to get out or not and man, I just, I get teared up for, for Homegirl, you know I just, I and feel see that for Aqua just, she's a good character. She's, she's a such character. a good character and to I me. And I think, to me, that <clears throat> is what is kind of missing from Kingdom Hearts for me. The character. I know Sora. Yeah, no, and, fair and enough. Kairi and Riku and, and, and everyone involved. But when I met Aqua and Ventus and Terra, I was like, okay, this is dark. That's another reason why you should play Birth by Sleep. Because right. I think all three of them as a dynamic work well. Mm. But especially Aqua. Right. And Aqua, for another reason, like one of the things that... Uh, Kingdom Hearts suffers from the most is having meaningful women. Yes. In the organization 13, there's one woman, and she's yes. taken out in the game she's introduced in, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen anything from her since. Right. And- uh, Kyrie was a main chess piece, basically, in uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, and she showed up a couple times alluding to the fact that she's actually super important, but she's like she was in the ending secret unlockable cutscene in one game, and that was right. the only place he saw her in that one. I want to see Kyrie and, and kick like, some butt with the Keyblade, man. I, yeah, I, I you am see a that sucker. she can do it in Kingdom Hearts too, right? And like, I'm a sucker <clears throat> for strong female protagonists, and sure, that's kind of been my angle with even books like Harry Potter. I was like, I want to mm. read the story from the perspective of Hermione because I think it's yeah, a that'd be awesome. <laughs> You know, and then that's why I really love the Hunger Games because we see these strong mm. female protagonists take action and, and, and win and they're the forefront of the story and when I did play Fragmentary Passage, that's what I really enjoyed about it was that I could play this complex, powerful woman. Aqua is waifu all day long and I want to play all <laughs> her games and she needs, to, I want to know all about her. <laughs> so. That's just it and like, it's it's similar to King Hearts 1 because it's two guys and a girl, mm-hmm. but as opposed to where with Sora, Kairi, and uh, Riku, it's more of a love triangle kind of thing. Yeah. You know, this is... With Terra, Aqua, and Ventus, it feels very much like a best friends, like a family almost. Right. Like, they don't... It doesn't feel like they're trying to force a relationship, which is great. Yep. Uh, the one that is supposed to save the others is the woman. Um, like the the worst things happen to Ventus and Terra, like they can't do anything. It's up to her to save them, yep. and that's again so unexpected. Not just in media in general, but in Kingdom Hearts because it's so like the women take such a back seat. Yep. So, and because you know it's I don't know, just in general, it was such a refreshing game for so many reasons that I highly recommend you play it. I think it'll open a lot of doors for you, uh, both in terms of the story and in terms of the franchise as a whole, like, just getting back into it and getting you excited for Kingdom Hearts 3, getting you interested again. Um, I think probably, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 is going to hold that spot of the the best one, probably, because it's just got such fond memories, like you said. 
but Birth by Sleep I think would be right up there, okay. pretty close to it. Yeah, I could totally see that. Absolutely. I mean, there aren't enough strong female protagonists, and there aren't enough, you know, friendship stories in any mm. medium. So I'm all for it. Friendships without being forced into relationships. Right. <laughs> because you know, I think, and and that's kind of a problem too. So many stories are are forced to have that yeah. romantic relationship because that's what sells. Right? Here's a man. Here's a woman. They all automatically have to be together. No, they don't. Right. Stop making everything heteronormative. <laughs> I guess that's that's the end of my argument. I think you should play Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Yeah, I think I I think that needs to happen. And then uh, maybe maybe if you do, when you do, we can have you back on afterward to talk about uh, what you thought, how you felt, if it did reinvigorate your feelings for the series, or if you just are still pretty ambivalent. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's deal. Cool. We'll report back later. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was it was really good having you on. Yeah, man. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Literally, K Y L E L I T E R A L L Y. I'm also on Instagram at the same name. You can also find me online on my website at Kyle V Hiller H I L L E R dot com. If you want to check out my books and stuff like that which are very much influenced by video games and things like that because we need more books to be that nerdy um, <laughs> agreed with the exception of Ready Player One which we're not going to go into that because this is a podcast <laughs> topic for another day it's another day um, but yeah um, check me out awesome and you can find me on Twitter at Zachary P. Lyons that's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y P-L-Y-O-N-S and you can follow the Chaos Cast everywhere under the Super Nerd Pals banner, like at supernerdpals.com or at, on Twitter at supernerdpals. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash supernerdpals, where we've got an active group of more than 600 pals who are always sharing fun and interesting news and stories about movies, video games, comics, and more. Thanks again, Kyle, for joining me, and we'll see you guys next time in Episode 4. All right. See you.